Breakfast puppies? Welcome to Have Movies Will Game, the only podcast on the globe where we take you, our friendly listener, through the best and worst movies of yesterday and today, and then discuss ways that you can play them at your gaming table. In every episode, our intrepid hosts, Matthew, Dusty, and Nathaniel, will filibuster fondly over facts and feelings of your favorite films, and then get to the glorious gaming goodness, giving game masters great gimmicks on generating golden genius. Have Movies Will Game, brought to you through the electronic wonder of the internet. Now, let's start the show! dying race, numbly rehearsing the ancient ways in a blur of forgetfulness. That's how you start a kid's movie. Another world. Another, Another time. time. In the age of wonder. The land was good and green. Until the crystal cracked. The interesting thing about that, real quick, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to walk right over you on that one. Do it. I, this is how you do a kid's movie, people. A friend of mine years ago handed me a CD and said, you're going to love this. Okay, cool. And it was it was uh, Vegas by the Crystal Method. Oh yeah. And I yeah. put the CD in, and I hear this in the age of wonder. I'm like, motherfuckers took that out from the dark crystal, like, and just read kind of tuned it a little. You know, bit. that's how techno and most modern music today is done with samples of old shit. I know, but it was great, and I do. I still listen to that album. It's probably their best album to date, and I love it. I have this on vinyl. Oh, I'll, is, be, I'll be that hipster. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> crystal Method Vegas? No, The Dark Crystal. The soundtrack. Just, oh, you've got just, the, the, not soundtrack. the soundtrack. The score. The movie. Oh, so you have it on Laserdisc? No, I have it on an LP. What? Um, yeah. Oh, so by the way, we're talking about The Dark Crystal, and we are... I'm Matthew. And I'm Dusty. And I'm Nathaniel. And this is Half Movies, Will, Will Game. Game. Mm-hmm. So... Really? Wait, hang on, hang on, an LP? I didn't. Is it, is it, it just it's, audio? It's of just the whole a recording. Yeah. Okay. A recording I, I, of the movie. I'm like, wait a minute, because my my tech brain is like, how do you have a movie on just vinyl? J- just the words. Okay. Kind of like right. what you're hearing now, gentle listener. Yeah. So the ooh, sweet sachet voice. Oh my of God, Matthew. we should start recording our podcast to LP, dear listeners, and we'll hopefully sell patrons. Them here in some of our Patreon <laughs> listeners, maybe. Uh, hopefully, if you uh, want to kick us some money to buy a machine that can make records, <laughs> we'll start releasing this uh, very special episode of Half Movies Will Game. Only this one, by the way. On 45. <laughs> 45. <laughs> the dog will never want for a Frisbee. <laughs> oh. Fuck, I miss Jim Henson, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, just it's it's the intricateness of every world from the Muppets to um to this. Just there's so much going on in the background. The sets are so lush. We grew up. The three of us grew up with Jim Henson. I mean, he was a, a, a TV and a, an imagination father figure for us, I think. And also kind of bordering in the in the realm of of Mr. Rogers neighborhood cuz he was just such a good guy on better acid but yeah <laughs> yeah a lot better acid i think you know acid's going to come into play in a bit when we get to the gaming session i've got some thoughts I, I, okay <laughs> uh interesting dark room everyone drops <laughs> stare at the crystal <laughs> for like an hour so yeah technically i mean it's like 3 to 4 to the peak then you start coming down yeah you know you uh, we juice. should cut that <laughs> Hey man, hey man, hey man, play it cool, play it cool. 
you know, we're not going to have a bad trip here. <laughs> this was originally marketed as a family film. It is a family film. It is a family it's film. It's just a lot darker than Jim Henson's other mm. work. You know, <laughs> here's... Okay. Can we go off on how fucking protected children are right now? Please, go it's, ahead. It's okay to expose them to things. Yeah, I, I agree. This is what slavery looks like. Now you know. Don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. The helicopterism. The, I don't know what that is. The guard, a, hover, a, a, a hovering parent, a helicopter yeah, parent. Yeah. One that always has to make sure that their kid is okay. They have to make go out and play with them. They don't uh, let yeah, them play not, in the I'm mud. I'm not saying throw them to the wolves. Well, but they should. At, this, at the same time, you, you need, they need to be exposed to concepts that are difficult for them. And no, no Teletubbies bullshit. No, oh, I agree. I, I, we're of, the three of us are of that the last kind of part of that part of that generation where our parents are like don't come home until the the light comes on. Yeah, you know stuff like that. You had a light, rich boy. Sorry, there's an interesting story though that goes along with this movie. That uh, so a number of years ago, the Portland Public Museum, uh, Portland, yeah, the Portland Museum of Art. They had a retrospective for, and they showcased um, the the Great Muppet Caper, which is, uh, is Jim Henson's, you know, yeah, sequel to yeah. the, the Muppet Movie. Yeah, and it was good. But and the interesting thing about it was, in attendance, there, I didn't know this until you know, it started. Uh, was his daughter was there? Jim Henson's daughter was there, and she was going to do a Q and A session after the movie, which was really really good. Most of the people left after, so it was me and I think maybe about a half dozen other people. So it was a very intimate her discussing what was going on about the movie, what was going on during that time in filming. And what was really engaging about it was finding out that while Jim Henson, after the Muppet movie, he wanted to do this movie. This was the next movie he wanted to do. He wanted to do something a lot darker. He wanted to do something a little more personal because there's, there's a book that ties into this that he read that that pulled a lot from written by, I'll get to that actually. Okay. All right. Um, My fate. I've got a story when we get there. Cool. (laughs) And even his daughter was talking about the time he was so extremely stressed out because the studios were like, we don't want to do this movie because it's too dark that we don't want you to do this because you have this wholesome look about you and you have the Muppet show and you've got, you know, the, the, the Muppet movie and everything that's going on with that. No. And he fought hard. He fought really hard to get this movie. And they said, listen, if you can do a sequel to the Muppet movie, will let you do this movie. And he said, fine. So he was doing the the great Muppet caper and this movie at the exact same time, having to bounce from two different locations in the U S to make sure that both were going on the way. I take it wanted. back. It wasn't acid. It was cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this I, is a running run. theme with our movies. <laughs> there's probably going to be some listeners going to like send us like powdered sugar and like, do here's not your cocaine. <laughs> do that. Please don't. That's. I think that's actually a federal crime if you send any kind of mail containing powder that resembles either a controlled substance or something like anthrax. Please, please don't. Yeah. In fact, just, just no. We're going to cut that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I forgot about um, how balanced this movie was, uh, the nuances of the of the duality between the two races and just basically with everything in the movie. Yeah. And um, as this is the first time I've seen it as an adult. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the last time I saw it, I was like maybe seventeen or something. Okay, because I, I watched it. I haven't two, watched it for years. Three hundred times as a child growing up, and then haven't watched it since. I, I think it's probably been about seven or eight years since the last time yeah. I watched this movie. 
I've seen this movie. Oh God, I've lost count. Two oh, dozen times. Yeah. There, there are four movies that formed the basis of like my childhood movies. There was the Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, a really weird one called Flight of Dragons. I don't know if any of you have ever seen that. It was an animated. And, oh uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, it had Colonel Potter in it. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Lord of the Rings animated. Oh yes. yes. And those were. The cartoons I grew up on. The Ralph Bakshi one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's good. That's such a good movie. None of them are especially friendly. <laughs> and I don't know if that's had any effect as to what I've become as an adult. Mine, one of the ones that I grew up watching was The Black Cauldron. Oh, God. Another one that is not very friendly. Mm. Also, The Secret of Nim. Back yeah, in the Secret day, of Nim is dark. cartoons yeah. were dark. The Secret of Nim, they were murdering each other. Yeah, like, yeah. There was blood for there power. Was death. It was it was it was dark, but the black cauldron, like putting it Yeah. The, the, the dead pet, like Gurgi, when Gurgi oh, dies. And then oh. uh, Yeah. Sorry, I ruined it. Spoilers. <laughs> Read a book. Yeah, exactly. seriously. <laughs> um, I'm just I'm just saying stuff like this is the antidote to Teletubby stupidity. So and you should really expose your children to one, it. One of mine, I mean, I, I kind of follow on yeah, Black Cauldron, of course. Uh, one of mine, I didn't know the name of it up until describe. probably a few years oh, okay. ago. Like I, I, I could, I could describe scenes. The biggest scene that I could remember was rows and rows and rows of humongous potato bugs charging on a field, like towards people. The big alien potato bug looking things. It's Nausicaa of the Wind of the Valley. Oh. And I couldn't remember the name of that movie until I was at, I was at another trivia night and they had it up. They, they came up with like, what movie is this? And I'm, I'm just, I'm talking to my buddy Marcus and he's like, oh, that's, he gives the title. I'm like, that, God that damn is, it. Thank you. Yeah. That, I didn't get that until um, later. Okay. Because there was a little video store and they did not carry anime. So there was that. That was the only one for like 30 miles. Hmm. The only quote unquote anime that I remember seeing as a kid was something called the, I, okay. Oh, I might be misremembering it. It's called, I think it's called the enchanted journey. It was about squirrels leaving the city and heading to the forest. And I remember in it, there was a seagull who was a friend of the squirrels and the seagull was voiced by Orson Welles. <laughs> But the squirrels, <laughs> all I remember is that one of the squirrels was named No-No. Mm. Yep. Okay. Mine was Robotech, in case anyone was wondering. I never got into animes. I, like, I, I liked Voltron. Like, so the Saturday cartoons that I really liked, or mid, midweek or whatever that I was into, Thundercats. Thundercats was pretty decent. Silverhawks. No. We thought it was decent. No, no, no. Thundercats was pretty decent. <laughs> Thunderhawks, not so much. Sorry. Silver Thundercats, Hawks. I meant. Yeah. yeah. Silverhawks. Yeah. Silverhawks. Yeah. Thundercats uh, in space. Mask. Yeah. Loved Mask. I like the toys, the cartoon. Mm-hmm. And then there was this other one that I always I always forget the name of it, but it's it's set way in the future. It, it's po- very post-apocalyptic. And Thunder of the Barbarian? No, 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 not oh. Thunder of the Barbarian. But nice try. I give yeah. you a hundred points for trying. <laughs> uh the uh they had the, the these mutated like vines had turned into vehicles and they could put big like the the, the head one was this big angular like shark looking head but i mean it wasn't like a shark it was just angular like a shark and it had this big saw on its head but it was held up by a vine 
And the protagonists were all a group of people that rode around the same type of vehicles, but they got in and out of them. They weren't create. They didn't turn into these vehicles. Galaxy Rangers. Yes, that's it. Are you serious? Yes. I've never heard of this. Well, thank yeah. you very much. That's a thousand points to House Gryffindor. So before we go, into <laughs> what this- makes you think I'm Gryffindor? <laughs> you are. Trust me, you are. <laughs> Let's not go in this deeper tangent into toys and shows. <laughs> but I, I was just getting into yeah. it. Let's bring it back to okay. Anyway, so th- this was part of the 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 quadfecta, quadrangle. Yeah, this is part of the four movies. Matt we'll like a square, growing, a square, menage a quad, <laughs> a menage. We're going with Dusty's version, a quadrilateral. <laughs> yeah, of of the movies that really spoke to me as a kid. Quartet. Thank you. Yes, I don't like Jen's voice. It sounded like a man with a high top fade. You know, it was really G- carefully. You know, it was Jim Henson, hair. right? I, I know, okay. but I didn't. I hated his voice. No, no so did no, I. No, no. I Jim agree. Henson didn't do the voice. He did the puppetry. Actually, he did the puppetry. Yeah. No, he did the voice no, of. I watched Jen. the credits. So did I. No, all, all of right. the first ones are the puppets. The voices were completely different people. I didn't know any of them. When it did Frank the Oz did the did the nope. voice of the of the of the woman. The, you you want to think that, but he's not in the credits as the person who did the voice. Yeah, I, I was surprised. I just watched this yesterday. So did I. And when the credits rolled, I watched, and it wasn't Henson and it wasn't Oz. They were the puppeteers. That's what it showed in the credits. Yep, voices. It blew my mind. The woman that that played the um, wow, uh, Jim, what's her name? The witch, Agra. Yes, she was fantastic. Uh, same voice. It was the pretty much the same puppet in in Labyrinth. The the trash hoarder. Same voice. Yeah, which I, I thought which I, I thought was Frank Oz. I was surprised when I looked those voices up. Yeah, it it wasn't them. That's what the credits were saying. The credits was I, like voices. It did the puppeteers first. Mm-hmm. And the puppeteers that had like a list of people mm-hmm. for each character. And then at the end, the voices were like eight names long. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I just, I didn't like it. He, he sounded smarmy. Jen? Jen. Yeah. He said he was yeah. boring. He sounded like Ben. He, no, what's his name? Uh, Ross from Friends. Oh, Ross Ross Schwimmer? From Friends. Yeah. God uh, yeah. damn. I can, I can see yeah. I hated him for so long until <laughs> yeah. I watched Band of Brothers. More on that later. Oh, is he in that? <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. I, He's the sergeant you hate. So, Agra, yes. how much do you two know about the world? Uh, I know that Agra is the only Agra in existence, and that is not made clear in the film, and it's also not made clear in the film because I didn't get a chance to do a lot of the backstory, was that she's she's basically the whole world. She is the goddess. Yeah. So, yeah. She's immortal. It's a play on Agri, right? I More than know. likely, to, yes. to Augur and yeah, to the future. Yeah. yeah, she is the the living manifestation of the world, while the crystal is its heart. Mm-hmm. She kind of pokes around and monitors everything that's going on for the whole world. So she's kind of like the physical. If you want to get into the religious aspect of it, she's kind of the physical embodiment of like a god on this different planet, which makes it a sci fi movie, not a fantasy movie. She has been present for all three of the conjunctions by the end of the movie. Yes. So that's like 3,000 years. I thought of her like as an Elminster figure, just kind of watching over the world, but not, is she not of it? She's the manifestation of yeah. the world. Right. Yeah. And that's that's why at one point, you know, she's giving Jen like, hey, so here's she's the crystal, Cap- go. She's Captain Planet? Yeah, pretty much. She's like, go, go do this because of this. And then she gets, when she gets captured and she's taken to the, to the you know, the Skeksis, they're like, she's like, oh, hey, I can bring the, I can bring the Gelfling towards you and give you, you can do whatever you want with him. She's kind of, 
neutral. Yeah. Yeah. The intricate, the, the intricacy, excuse me, words, how do they work, <laughs> of, of the sets is, magnets. is still stunning oh, yeah. to me. Just all the little critters moving in the background, all all the little byplays of things eating other things or chasing other things or humping other things are just, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's glorious. One of the things that I have always loved about Jim Henson, and that goes from, you know, watching the Muppets to watching just Fraggle Rock to watching Farscape, yeah. this, the Labyrinth, everything, and kind of the piggyback on the things that you just said about everything being in the background is his team's ability to make me believe that that character is real. Not only that, but that where this obvious stage that they're moving through is a world and alive Mm -hmm. because I mean, it's one thing to have a puppet on a static screen and just look, it's moving through the set. Mm -hmm. It's another thing. If the set is reacting to the puppets, Yeah. And aside from some uh, long distance shots, there's no humans in this movie. There are times where you see the you see Jen moving and it's a distant shot and they they climbing the waterfall. It looked like it was. They they actually used uh, Deep Roy uh, came in and did some of those shots. And then a couple of the guys from uh, Time Bandits. Okay. So they 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 were used for the the long distance shots, which is really kind of cool. Didn't Deep Roy just die in the last year or two? I don't remember. Oh, okay. No idea. I like some of the reoccurring things, like when they kept saying "today gives no comfort." Today gives no comfort. Like they they really drill it in, and it's it's really good. And I love the intro. It's it's like five minutes of a guy talking to you. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it's it's not this. It's story time. I. And kids like story time. In in some in one sense, movies today, I like just getting in it and going. I, I like that. But but stuff like this, this is this is an entire world that got built, and you you do need to have some explanation. And that's one of the things that made the movie technically tank is because Jim Henson in, introduced this entire world, and the thing that the most people, most test audiences, and most people didn't like when it premiered, there's no humans. They didn't have something that they could they could hold on to and say, I recognize that that's a human. People are I can understand dumb. that. And they didn't understand I've got all these different species that I have to that I have to take a take a hold of. I've got all these different races. I have I have this whole mythology that's being crammed down my throat in ninety minutes. And it and it technically bombed because of that. And it's sad. I mean it's become a cult classic, which is great. And it's beautiful. And it was ahead of its time when it came out, just in in, in technology. It proves that you don't have to have CG to make a good movie. Was there even CG then? Like the fire, like when when her her witch house was burning up. Was that CG? That was kind of that was animated. It was it was like green early green screen, blue screen. Uh, Yeah, it was was animation. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Apparently, it was remembered well enough and fondly enough by so many people that there's a series coming out. I'm really hoping. Does anyone know anything about it? Is it it's, going to be puppetry? I think, it, well, yeah, it's it's exa- everything that was from this movie. It's catering into what's going into that movie is a prequel. Oh, thank God! And it's a series, and it's the death of the Gelflings as the Skeksis slaughter them. <laughs> nice. Uh, so apparently, uh, ever since uh, 1986, I think they were Henson was trying to get a sequel done, and it would go into production, and then things would ha- stop, and it would go into more production. Things would stop. They had directors, blah 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 blah. In two thousand three, it came back up again. In two thousand six, it came back up again. But now here, since there's been more interest in it, Netflix has said, "Let's take it and run with it." And 
Thank God for these third-party movie producing houses. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Net, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, uh, YouTube is even doing it yeah. now. I mean, this is this is this is the way to get your Dust. story around the bullshit. What disappoints me about all of them is the way so many properties are just casually discarded. A good example on Netflix, there were two series that I was really into. I liked the Netflix Marco Polo series. It was rad. I heard it was it, really good. It it did not review well, but I think too many people were looking at it as if it was like historical fiction. No, it was it was historical fiction, but it was not trying to be no. accurate. And What's they canceled one? it. Um Sense eight. Nope, that's not the one I was thinking. What were of. you thinking? I'm trying to remember its name. Uh, it's an anime. They're on a rock in space. Knights but, of Sidonia. Oh, that was that's so such good. a good one. It's so good. I don't think the, I don't know if the, I think, that is a situation where there's a manga and an anime. Uh, and I don't know which has surpassed the other one. So they might just be waiting for more. I don't know if it got canceled. I thought that was an amazing one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It was really good. And Netflix, you know, the 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 Netflix powerhouse has led to things that movies, even uh, yeah. Bright, is one that I liked. I haven't watched it yet. Will is basically Urban Arcana, the D twenty seven. Oh yeah, it's basically yeah. Shadowrun, yeah. isn't it? It's not so much Shadow. People keep saying Shadowrun, but it's That's, too fey. Okay, it's way more Urban Arcana than Shadowrun. Okay, uh, it, yeah. it strikes me more of a, like a reboot of Dresden without Dresden. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah. But imagine magic being a more mainstream thing. Whereas in Dresden, it was still kind of, I think, down low. Yeah. Yeah. I like the Mystic's Lying Bench. I want to talk about the set some more. Where he's the, the master. Mm-hmm. And he's just stretched out and he's dying and he's on this bench. And it looks like it looks really comfortable. Yeah. Like somebody sat down. Got, got back from the Muppets, flew across country, sat down, did a lot of blow, <laughs> and said, if I was a armored space forearmed hippie, what would I want to lay on? And he sat there, and he did a little more blow, and then he started designing this great lying bench, and it's, it's everything, every little detail in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. Well, all of the Skeksis and the Mystics, or... Um the oh what is the what what are the mystics actually called the ur uh okay a little bit of history here there's i think it's ur no or ur so or something there are they all you see them at the end yes. the, the original race yeah now that name those that race is called the ur or sorry it's lowercase u ur capital s ur and then sometime in the past they were standing in front of the crystal during a conjunction, and the light of the crystal refracted and separated each of them into two beings, yeah. personifying their best and their worst qualities. And then, uh, so considering that, all of them are dualities. They are, you know, two aspects of the same being, and they're thousands of years old by the world's standards. But they're also aliens who were kicked out of their home planet. Thousands of years ago. I really hope Netflix yeah. picks up all this backstory and really so. plays in it a little bit. So if you are multiple thousand years old and you're old, you know that some of the simple comforts in life 
R-O-A. Like, like a bench. It's a bench. <laughs> a that perfectly <laughs> matches the curve of your 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 long pointy snout. Yeah. <laughs> this bench gives much comfort. You you made comment, Matthew, about how you liked the duality. There was a lot of duality in this mm-hmm. film. And and there is. I mean it's, it's pretty blatant and obvious. There's yeah, a lot of duality. It's not too. subtle, but no, it's, 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 it's for a kid, because you know, kid movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It this is a, probably a new concept. Yeah. I really liked the symbolism in the movie and specifically on the Skeksis because there, even though there's nine of them and because originally there were seven of them, there were only supposed to be seven. And then it got, as the script progressed, it turned into 10. And then after the the emperor died, they had nine, but those original seven were supposed to represent the seven deadly sins. And I really like that symbolism. So the Chamberlain, he's, Envy. That's kind of obvious. Avarice. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the the general was rage because he was angry. Where it was a glutton, I think. Yeah. yeah the uh, the there was a big the, fat Gorm, one. Yeah. yeah. Gormund yeah. is yeah. is would be considered gluttony. At least who was in the, my the, the very opinion. fancy librarian one? Who did? I would say that's pride. Yeah, yeah. I, that would be pride. Yeah. yeah. Which <laughs> now, now, now finger fork. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I'm scared. Which Skeksy was supposed to be lust? Because oh. that's a terrifying thought. <laughs> there could have been one that represented it as a lust for power or a mm-hmm. lust. Maybe the so maybe it was the Chamberlain. The no, well, the Chamberlain I took is is that that was envy. Uh, envy yeah. Obvious, I, yeah. I would say it was the scientist. That was an alchemist. That was a yeah, necromancer. Ooh, I will yeah. extract yeah. your juices. Uh, so, fun story is that's uh, that character's name was Skektek. Skektek. Yep. Okay, scientist. Yeah, never mind. I'm, I'm wrong. You're right. <laughs> but I, I I like the symbolism out of that, and it it, yeah. it it was a it was a good thing. It was a good nod, and I don't think a lot of people obviously kids aren't going to pick up on that. But as adults, I think it's good to see like, oh, hey, let's let's throw that in. That is good. Symbolism I like the Gartham. Oh yeah, the the crab monster, the things. crab bugs. Yeah, you know how that idea came about? Oh, so walking uh, on a beach, they look like <laughs> sand fleas, almost. You're kind of close. Brian Froud, who, you know, did all the designing for Goblins for Labyrinth and everything, and he did all the puppetry designing for here. When he was at kind of the, at the pitch dinner for this, you know, he and, and, and Jim Henson were sitting down. He was getting pitched and everything, wanted to do this because they were really good friends. He was eating lobster. <laughs> and so when he was cracking the shells of lobster, as he's being told us, he would put the shells back into interesting positions so that they would create this new thing. That's and cool. that's where he got those big armored, uh, the big, the uh, guards. Yeah. When yeah. I was a kid, they scared the shit oh, yeah. out of me. And, I had nightmares about Gartham. And they were so heavy for the people that were actually inside of them. They had to take extended breaks because they yeah. could not carry them. And there was no, at this point in time when they had like, now we watch Marvel cinematic universe movies and, People who play like uh, uh, the Vision, it's an air conditioned fucking suit, yeah. so he can walk around and doesn't get overheated. Nothing like that. They, they would get so hot. They um, said that it was roughly about uh, uh, almost 125 degrees under all that weight. They would Dude, get dehydrated. Filmmaking is hard yeah. work. Yeah. It is, and then the lights of ev- the lights of everything for them. Then running around, having to chase things and lift their arms up. They they got overheated really fast. So those suits were literally set out to dry because they'd be wet with sweat. I feel that this movie is like a cultural touchstone for anyone within like 10 to 15 years of my age. Mm -hmm. Like everyone's seen this. This this is not a film that you haven't seen. 
it has a big resurgence like labyrinth because i've i've gone to pick up uh my 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 friends down in phoenix their their kids have like labyrinth and 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 you know the dark crystal shirts and they don't know the significance of those, but it's really neat. I'm like, oh, hey, you've got the shirt on. Do you really even know what it is? No, it looks cute. I'm yeah, like, the oh, six-year-old with the Misfits shirt. <laughs> I know people that I've met recently in my age group who have never seen the Dark Crystal. Blows my mind every time I hear it. I never saw, uh, what was it, uh, the Black Cauldron until like 15 years ago. It mm. wasn't a widely spread movie. Yeah. We rented it on a VHS yeah, and the big clamshell box. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of Disney's darker moments because it was a dark movie. Yep, it wasn't as dark as enslaving the podlings, extracting <laughs> oh, their final God. juices, watching them wither and age and turn ashen. There's, there, there were little rate. touches in that scene that I really appreciate in the portrayal of life. When the podling's essence is drawn out and it's sitting and it is captivated and yeah. it's spellbound, its By the eyes TV. are draining. Mm-hmm. And then the crystal moves away and, and it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's heaving yeah. in breath. And you only see it for a second as the camera sweeps away. It's That's what's terrifying yeah. to a yeah. child is, is these... Uh, these images of pain yeah. and, and suffering. It's like To me, it was never the weird crab things. It was, oh my God, what are they doing to that poor little thing? I'm that so glad. The, the, the person in me that really enjoys happy endings, I'm really glad that their essence returned to them yeah. as the crystal was repaired, you know? Yeah. It just made me feel good. Yeah. So you guys know a bit more about the world than I do. What are the Gelflings? What are they? They're just natives of the world. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So the the there would live there. Yeah. They were killed the, by the Skeksis. The, this this race descended, got uh-huh. all fucked up because they're magical space crystal. Yeah. Or is the crystal part of that world? So the the crystal is the heart of the world. Okay. The Urskeks descended, having been outcast from their homeworld because of impurities in them. Uh, there, so okay, first off, there's a book, an illustrated dark crystal mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. goes in. That is fucking beautiful. It's full of Froud's artwork. Oh, Froud and all is of amazing. The, all of just, it's not just like concept art for the characters. It's like he, his runes and his storytelling and just these beautiful pieces. The Urskeks came to the world because they were outcasts from their world. Right. For being impure. They oh, had, wait, wait. So the, the, these godlike beings are refugees. Yeah. Yes. They came to this world. Um, Oh my god! I've already forgotten the name of the world. Oh, doesn't god. matter. It's, it's on the tip of my tongue. They came to this world, found the crystal, basically Agra's world, right? Yes. Agra witnessed them come, so they came to the world. And oh, when they arrived, they found the crystal, dug it out during the first conjunction. Uh, oh, this, I'm sorry. They found the crystal, dug it out, decided they wanted to use its light to heal their impurities. During the first conjunction. Agra was blinded in all three eyes. They took pity on her and gave her sight back in one of them. Just one. So eh. they're they're space dicks. They're space dicks. <laughs> okay. Really. Anyway, a thousand years later, the second conjunction, they were hoping that it would provide clarity. The light refracted in a way that split them. And then they became the two species. 
for a thousand yeah. years. And then over time, they became more personified. So the Skeksis became rulers. And over the thousand years, their rulership became more and more desperate and obsessed. Take note, hippies. Yeah. Crystals are dangerous. For a while, they ruled over the Gelflings as leaders of the people. Until the Gelflings found out that they were just being taken and drained of essence. And then they revolted and blah, blah, blah. It's a fan. It's it's a really cool story. I really hope the television show does it justice. I hope so. Yeah. You know, Netflix has been nailing it. I, I, I have a little bit of, not not a ton, but I have a little bit of confidence in it. My ability to be disappointed by the entertainment world knows no bounds. Yeah. I mean, Sharknado, right? <laughs> <laughs> So you had asked a little while ago at the, the start of, of the show about the book that I mentioned that Jim Henson uh, kind of took a lot yeah. from. You did. Sorry, sorry, Matthew. Sorry, I was pointing to Nathaniel. Oh, listener can't see that. So he based a lot of the the the, the movie itself on the philosophical principles uh, of um, Jane Roberts. So Jane Roberts was a self-style, she was a, basically a self-stylized psychic and a medium. She Hippy dippy channeled everything. Oh, that's Ooh. unfortunate. Crystals. Yeah. Yes, crystals. And uh, she had this entity within her called Seth. And apparently, like biblical Seth, or what I, is don't, she I don't know. About? Uh, apparently, Roberts would be overtaken by this entity, Seth. Uh, <laughs> Seth would visit her, and her husband actually chronicled. Was Tanner not available? <laughs> Seth was the only one who could fucking her- make it. If you have an inner demon. <laughs> Give it a cool name. Yeah, I, I know, this right? This is Blaskarog from Beyond the Outer Pale. <laughs> fucking Seth. And her husband chronicled, uh, like, the things that she would say under, quote, Seth's influence, which was probably kind of just like, I can get away with calling you an asshole and not have to worry about it, honey. So, yeah. So, uh, Henson gave the screenwriter, David O'Dell, copies of this book and said, Go from there. And the book was called Seth Speaks. So if you are interested in ever looking at these ramblings, or if any of our listeners are, it's called Seth Speaks. And I have no interest in the ramblings of deranged liars. And apparently, according to Odell, the ideas of beings that had split into two imperfect halves, like the Miskits and the sex, se- not, not sexies, skexies. <laughs> they were not <laughs> sexy. Mm, uh, were directly influenced by that book. Okay. So if you're interested, I am never following up on that. That sounds like something I'd fucking hate. (laughs) Just fucking hate. I can tie Fraggle Rock and Star Trek The Next Generation into this movie. Do it. Go. So Fraggle Rock, uh, there was one scene that was dropped from the initial cut of the movie and the Gelflings were supposed to travel underground and encounter a race of mining creatures, the Uh Dozers. It was supposed to be the dozers. Oh, no shit? No shit. Okay. Yeah, the idea now, was dropped. Bring me Star Trek. Star Trek, uh, Gates McFadden was a high-profile, uh, Dr. Crusher, mm-hmm. was a high-profile. Oh, you don't have to tell me who well, that is. I know, I know. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Cheekbones was, you could cut yourself on. She was a high-profile dancer at the time, like ballet and everything she, on, on, on Broadway. Listening. And she did a lot of the choreography for... For the the movements for all the puppetries for the Skeksis and the, nice. the the other ones, so that's the Star Trek Next Generation tie-in. Cool, yeah. I think I don't know if my listeners know this, but I'm about to have uh, a kid, my first kid. Congratulations! Thank you. And I am 
I suddenly have a very, very profound opinion about children's movies that developed <laughs> overnight. And I, I just want to say that I, I think it's really good to expose children to some of the darker things in the world uh, in, a, in a safe, controlled way where good wins out over the end if you just try hard enough. Not Teletubbies, not Thomas the Train, just... Conflict. Con- conflict, like real yeah. conflict with real world consequences of life and death. It, it, it's funny that you mentioned that overnight thing, that this, this parental it's so feeling weird, dude. That, just, that, that just comes over you. I, two of my dearest and closest friends who live down in Phoenix, they, I've known them both 20 years probably, uh, Sarah and Lee. And uh, Lee is a huge Star Trek, Star Wars nerd. Sarah is a huge Star Wars nerd. And uh, when they had kids, uh, I think their their youngest, Michael, who's who's about five-something age, mm-hmm. um, I was over the, when the last time I was down there, or one of the last times I was down there, I asked him, so, hey, when are you going to show them Empire? Because we grew up watching Empire. I mm-hmm. remember seeing Empire to drive in theater when it came out in 83. So I was I was six years old. I'm like, he's yeah. about that age. And And Lee was like... No, man, that's too scary. I'm not going to show my... I, w- I wouldn't want to show my kid. I'm like... The fuck well, you say? What do you mean, man? I mean, I, this is stuff that we grew... You got to show your kid Vader. And he's like, yeah. no, not yet. Maybe when he's like, you know, a few years older. But this is... this is. He's like, it's a, it, it, like you just said, it's a parental thing now. Yeah. And I and I don't have kids, so I don't I don't understand that. So I think I, it's an I, interesting I, thing that you brought it up. And, and then my buddy also brought it up. I, because- I get the urge to like cuss it and, you know protect them from the ills of the world but you're not always going to be there and they need a basic understanding and how they get that is by in the olden days it was sitting next to the oldest person by the fire and helping them with stupid chores and they would tell you stories yeah. fables yeah you you need this this that modern world tradition of good of good and evil you need villains yeah. uh, you know not like oh no someone befouled the laundry <laughs> <laughs> You need Vader. You don't you know the dark samurai, but he just did like this weird prospector <laughs> dance. It was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> no, and 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 my friends Sarah and Lee, I I love their kids. I, I I go down to visit them. I love their kids. They are probably two of the smartest kids I have ever met. But I'm I'm chomping at the bit to be able to show them. Like I want to be there. You got that influence, man. Do it. I, I'm the bad uncle. I, I want to be there when they watch like empire or terminator because i've made comment multiple times that i i went to go see terminator with my parents in the in the theater and that was 84 so i was seven and it didn't it didn't adversely impact me it, the, i mean i didn't uh, mm, i mean I, my, I remember my dad saying when when uh linda hamilton when you saw her breast he's like turn your head away you know, but uh, he didn't care about the blood splatter. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've mentioned that before. My parents were like, "Oh, there's there's blood, there's ripped guts, there's everything. Don't worry about. It. Oh, but boobs? No, you you can't." I personally believe that a good parent should be the first one to teach their to show their kids nudity, pornography, uh, cursing, foul language, horror movies, uh, violence. The parent should be the one to introduce that kid and they introduce that to the child, and they should do it early. Yeah. Because if you can introduce it in a way where you can educate them about what this really is, yeah, that way they don't have to find out about it from someone else who could give them the wrong impression. Yeah. Or on a headset on Xbox Live. <laughs> Jesus <God>. Christ. <laughs> That's right. a whole other world. 
Anybody got anything else? I mean, I, I could go on for like 16 hours on this movie. But. Oh, so so can I. I mean, Henson, he did want to make a dark movie, and he he got it, and and that made me happy. I want I want to know what the scene that sticks with you the most is, or or like a static image, because I'll, I'll start with mine. Okay. Because uh, like I said, I haven't seen this in at least 15 years before we watched it yesterday. And mine was... Um, uh, Ogre's Spheres, mm-hmm. her uh, ast- Astro Lab, I believe that's yeah. called. Yeah, um, that was was the her thing, calendar. Yeah, that okay. stayed with me the most. Nathaniel, when Kira was telling Fizzgig that he needs to remain behind, oh, and he just goes <laughs> fucking Fizzgig, and then he does it like three <laughs> times, and then oh god, it, that to me, I'm it so glad also Fizzgig helps lived. that I've seen that gif of Fizzgig just mm-hmm. sitting there yeah. doing that rah, 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 on repeat so many times that that is, <laughs> that is burned in my brain. That is, for me, it's tie that there's a tie that one that you just said. And the, the uh, trial by stone trial by stone, the, the whacking at the stone and then it breaking in half. That Those one swords were cool. Oh my God. They were awesome. But Those I think are that like sticks in me. Swords. Yes. And then that sticks in with, in with me a lot because just that whole, that trial, mm. because you can see in, in that Skeksis, the, 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 the chancellor one, uh, he, he knew he wasn't the strongest, but he also knew he was the smartest and yeah. he, he would find a way to become emperor and that moment sticks out. Yeah, I did cool. enjoy the very simple politics of them talking amongst themselves. I should rule. I should rule. <laughs> yeah. I should rule. I'm going to rule. I'm going to make my move. <laughs> I, I think for it being a kid's movie, you, you couldn't go into the detail of like, well, this is why I should be. Surprisingly, we have better words for it and better you know ways of doing it behind closed doors and whatnot. But it's exactly the it same was as that. Yeah. 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 All right. With that in mind, how many crystals, Nathaniel, do you think? How many dark crystals do you, would you give this movie? 10 out of 10. This is a perfect movie uh, for me. Matthew? Yeah. Uh, I'll go 9.5. It's really close to a perfect movie. I, there's, I, there's a couple pieces I didn't like. I don't like Jen's voice. I just don't. I, I, think I it agree. Didn't, didn't I, I'm, I'm going to go with a 9. There's the 9 crystals for this for me, and, and it's... And it's not story driven, it's damn near perfect for story, yeah. but it, it's more on the technical side. And that, that happens to be with just because of the, the time and the technology of the time. Yeah. I, I mean, it's damn close. Like oh, you say, it's a perfect movie, dude. I'm almost there with you. I, I rarely think that, but this it, is really close. It, it, it's, it's, it's damn near perfect because it, it takes the, the hero's journey. It, it's a yeah. very condensed hero's journey, but it is a very good. Yeah. It's, hero's it's journey. The, the call to adventure, find out about your past. Mm-hmm. Um, find your tool, find your weapon, which in his case was the shard, which he could cut yeah. people with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, his his resolution. And then meeting with the father-slash-god figure, which, I mean, it was it was straight out of Joseph Campbell, man. Yeah. I mean. All right. All right, well, we'll bring this to the gaming table. Go take a pee. We're going to do the same thing, and we'll see you in a second. Hi, this is Matthew. Thanks for listening. We wanted to take a moment to talk to you about uh, one of our sponsors, Guardian Games. Guardian Games has been with us since the very beginning of this show. Guardian Games is Portland's premier game store. They have magic miniatures, shelves and shelves and shelves and shelves of RPGs, all the gaming swag, anything you could possibly want for your gaming experience. If you're ever in Portland and looking for a gaming store, Guardian Games is the biggest, most diverse store in Portland. You definitely owe it to yourself to go to Guardian Games.
That was a long pull on that. That was impressive. Massive I got clouds steel, there, bro. Massive clouds. <laughs> I saw that the yeah. other day. Oh my god, that was so funny. Yes. So you can't case, see this, but yeah. I can. There's a book on this table, which we'll, we'll get to later, that I've wanted to talk about for a long time because I've seen it over the years. I've picked it up and I've flipped through it and then bought the book I was there to buy. Yeah. But this one, the I've, big blue it, book. It's, it's, it's been on the periphery of Matthew's attention for like a long time. I'm going to give you a taste of things to come, dear listener. One hint. There are no elves in this book. Thank God. Anyway, let's go ahead and talk about the characters that were in this movie first. Yes. So uh, we have alignments and characters and all that good stuff. Oh, my. So as Jen, the I think two thirds of us didn't really like Jen. Did you like Jen? I didn't mind him. I just I didn't like the voice. Okay. Okay. Luke Skywalker, you know, yeah. the same freaking character. Okay. Um, I did. I agree. His voice was a little bland. You, you mean the character that, that that lost his father <laughs> slash master slash brother went on a quest? There was to save almost the world? no emotion in the voice. <laughs> yeah, that was a little irritating. Well, the thing with the, the with the the character's voice is it was a lot of internal thinking. So yeah. I, I think when you don't have someone to interact with since he's going on this long journey by himself and it's a lot of just thinking by himself. What? I'm so sorry. When you just said it was like a lot of internal thinking, I instantly flashed to Dune and I was like, <laughs> you know who could have done this with him? <laughs> the princess. We, we could have had David Lynch helping on this movie. Oh my God. <laughs> Orson Welles. Oh yeah. God love that Orson Welles. That would have been Wells. great. I'm okay. Okay. Side story. Tangent, um, go. Uh, my my wife and I are watching through Shogun. Oh, dear God. I've never God. seen it. Wow. It's nine hours. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until a couple hours in that I, was, that I realized what it was that was nagging at me. Mm-hmm. I knew, couldn't in my brain place the narrator. Orson fucking well. Yeah. Orson Welles. Oh my God. Anyway. My dad was a huge fan of the, the Clavel books that it's based off of. And apparently I, I've never, I've, I've never read the series. I have, I really have, have had no interest in it, but apparently the movie is very close to the book. The first book Shogun, which is like a 1200 page book apparently. So they did a long series of, of movie from movie for it's a mini series, mini series. We're wrapping this up. The television version and the movie version are like a hundred and 158 or in versus 180 minutes or something like that. Okay. The extended version, the full recording is nine hours. Jesus Christ. Nine hours. Anyway, Jen is lawful good. <laughs> Jen is very much lawful good. Jen, is- Jen, Jen, Jen was portrayed by Jim Henson doing most of the puppetry, obviously. And then Stephen Garlick, who did the voice for Jen, which I did not like his voice. And no, Shame be upon him. Shame exactly. be upon his house. What's interesting is that if you look at his Wikipedia page, it's just pictures of Jen. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh, <laughs> is, that, is, is, is that the Muppet equivalent of being the, the guy that's still stuck in high school talking about the game? Al Bundy, oh. he's the oh. Al Bundy of the puppeteer world, and, I, oh and, and I'm not, and I'm not sliding the guy at all. You Off, know, I'm just yeah, we are, we are, <laughs> we're jar jarring him. Oh. Could have made stain. Well, I think that the character, at least, uh, lawful good, definitely. 
I mean, it's a hero's journey. We don't have to go much into intentions yeah. here. His his journey was to fulfill his master's wishes and yeah. realize his destiny in the prophecy. If, if you don't know what the hero's journey is, watch Star Wars. Crack um, a goddamn book. Yeah. Anything by David Eddings. Uh, then we have Frank Oz as Agra. Uh, it was voiced by mm, Billy Agra. Whitelaw and Mike Edmonds, apparently. Agra is my favorite character oh, yeah. in the whole thing. Uh, absolutely. I have a friend who does the Agra sitting down impersonation better than pretty much I've ever heard anyone, in- including the... Oh, the sitting? Yeah. <laughs> Sounded like she's about to pop out an entire world. <laughs> I quote Agra on a weekly basis. Yeah. What's your quote? Don't know. Oh. <laughs> I like... I liked Agra, but I prefer her as the junk lady in Labyrinth. Fair enough. Uh, I I like you the, the wise and old wizard with, with the one removable eyeball. <laughs> yeah. <of me. laughs> um, I'm gonna go with neutral. The the other side of very much neutral. I'm gonna go with the other side of chaotic neutral. This okay. is not the guy who wrecks. This is this isn't the guy who wrecks your game. This is the guy. Who actually has been playing for twenty years? He's old. He's grizzled. He's seen some things. His, his dice bag has a, a patched hole in it. I mean, th- this is a guy who who knows chaotic neutral. I want to say neutral, straight, plain neutral. I agree with that because yeah. it, because I I'll go back to the part where that I mentioned on the movie side of it where she told Jen, "You need to go and do this. This is this is the, you know you've got the prophecy. You're part of the prophecy. You go and fulfill it." And then when she was captured by the Skeksis, she's like, oh, hey, I'll bring you the Gelf so you can fucking kill it. So I, I think she's right in that middle, very much neutral. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you the paths. You guys just have to decide what you're going to do. I was thinking more about her like tearing into these giant armored. Well, OK, one can be cantankerous. And also be neutral. Like that, that, you can that be just, awful that good just and totally me as, choose as someone a chaotic out, thing. You know? But yeah, look at yeah. John Goodman's character from uh, uh, The Big Lebowski. Total neutral, yeah. and yeah. he was an asshole. <laughs> I, I, okay, you've convinced me. <laughs> yes. Anyway, yet yeah, neutral is rare for us, especially because neutral is not always an interesting alignment to see on screen. Yeah. The dude would be neutral because he just doesn't care. Yeah. But Agra, I think, is she's basically a druid. I mean, she's yeah. basically a straight up D and D style druid, like classic manifestation of the fucking planet. Yeah, and yeah, her she, intention she is, is to she's Hold the druid. druid. Yeah, she abides. And then uh, Frank Oz, who did the movements for the Chamberlain, and Benny Denon did the voice of the Chamberlain. Mm. I hate your whimpering. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I hate your whimpering. Uh, fucking chaotic evil. God, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah that yeah. that wasn't evader. That was chaotic. No, that yeah. was chaotic. That was like, very. Much I wouldn't chaotic. say that some of the Skeksis might have been lawful evil. I would say most of them were probably neutral evil. Yeah, but he, he was, was chaotic. definitely chaotic. Yeah. Evil. Like, and if this was Palladium, he would be diabolic as yeah. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> he was just. Oh, oh, he was good. And, and what was his his intention as the character? His motivation in the story was he wanted to rule. He wanted to rule. I don't really think any of them had any idea of what ruling meant. 
Well, after that, I mean, his his goal was to rule, and then it was just to get back his clothes and get back into the castle. Yeah. Feasting. I think it's number one in order of priority. Rule. Yeah. Fuck these guys. Yeah. Get my clothes back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have Catherine Mullen as Kira. Uh, and then uh, doing Lisa. Instagram before Instagram. Is that not the Instagram face? Oh, the duck face. The- well, it was. It was not only duck face, but the the, the pale pouting bang lips. cut, the kind of glazed eyes. Well, that's the puppet. Come on, you can't. Yeah, really- but a whole generation did it afterwards, <laughs> like twenty years later. We're still doing it. Yeah, we we still are. So, who was the voice? Uh, she was voiced by Lisa Maxwell. So, Kira, I would say it's neutral. Good. Why I, neutral? Yeah. I don't see her as lawful, but I don't see her as chaotic. I see that she is just, she seems to be pure good. And that is what neutral good is. That is good neutral is. good. Yeah. Okay. You, you've convinced because I was going to yeah. go with lawful good. And okay. You're, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm on the path of where you said way back in the day that most people are just lawful good in their, in yeah. their day to days. So that's, that's why I was going for that. It's, it, lawful good is kind of my default, mm-hmm. but. You know, which is interesting because I remember being a teenager, a, a tween into my teens, getting into D&D. And of course, you know, you read the book and you read the description of the alignments and then chaotic good comes up. And immediately it says, this is a Robin Hood alignment. And yeah. it's cemented into your brain that chaotic good is the best alignment. And well, then I yeah. got old and now almost all my characters are lawful good or lawful neutral. Yeah. Because to me, it's the most nuanced. Unless you drive on the road a lot, and then you realize most people aren't lawful good. This is true. Yeah, as a driver, <laughs> yeah. this is very true. Most, most of most them people are chaotic are evil. Neutral <laughs> evil. Yeah. Yeah. I would say she's neutral good. One of the rare examples of it in cinema. Is this bringing back to the, the druid theme as she was talking to the animals? And Well, no. it's. I, I, think, I think so. There's a little bit there, but I think Agra's more the druid. Because classic D and D druids, Toxic Animals neutral. has a familiar. Well, However, I, I think she's like neo. Rangers have to be good, oh. and I think she's a ranger. But she also I, has no, wings. I, so I, would I, she be more of a, a forced fae? No, I, she's no. just a ranger with wings. Yeah, okay. that, that's yeah. Okay. That, that's just a, a racial archetype. She okay. uses a ranged weapon. Yeah, no. She has yeah, an animal okay. companion. Man, I'm she, just wrong, yeah. right, and left, and I'm taking yeah. it. You're right. Yeah. And would, speaking of that companion, yeah. that, that we we will move on to the fan favorite. Well, well, hold on, hold on. Oh, and her oh. motivation in the story was to. What? I'm not sure. She was, help. She help. What? Hey, I've never seen one of you before. You're way better looking than these potato face people I grew up with. Honestly, I <laughs> think her, out her motivation little... was yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it's, it's implied. There's there's a little bit of hey, we're friends and we've touched you. Yeah, we touched each yeah, other. We, we shared. shared a dream. I think her motivation in this story is to dream fasted. I dream believe, fast, yeah, which yeah. was hand fasting with your brain. Dude, I think gelflings so. have powers of dreams. They have like five different dream-based powers in the lore okay. based on what tribe you're from. You are way more into this movie than I thought that you were. Dark Crystal, like 10 like out of 10, The whole history. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. When we get to the gaming talk, we're going to talk about some stuff. All right. But But I think her whole drive was, I have found the only other person of my species that I've ever encountered. Let's save make for like my 60 mother. babies. Let's, <laughs> let's not die. <laughs> yeah. uh, before I get to the fan favorite of, of, of the little poof ball, little floof ball. 
I, I do want to give an honorable mention to a an animal that I really do like. It's not a character. It's not, nothing important. The Nebri. Uh, the Nebri was cool, but I like the Land Riders. Yeah, the big they rabbit, died well. The, the big rabbit things. And they I died liked, well. Yes, and I liked them. I like the look of them. Yeah, yeah I so. love the Land Striders. And land I, Striders. That's and right. I love the Nebri. And the only time you see the Nebri, first off, when Jen's riding one out of the water. Mm-hmm. And then when they walk away, two little Debri babies pop up next to you. You actually see one immediately and after. And then yes. the scene does a transition. <laughs> and then you see Debri. My favorite. <laughs> yeah. But then that does lead me into uh, Fizzig. Fizzgig. Fizzgig. Sorry, Fizzgig. Oh, God damn, Dusty. <laughs> Just kill me now. Uh, I like the two voiced, rows of teeth. Voiced I never said by that. Percy Edwards, who... It, it, this character has become uh, is a, a meme, gif, a gif, yeah. and a meme. Yeah. And if if you're listening and you don't know what I'm talking about, do a search, check on the show notes, a fizz gig, <laughs> and, and then do a meme or gif, and you will see it, and you'll be like, oh, that. You know, can I say something really fast? That's completely off topic. Sure. Mm-hmm. My my soon to be wife is practically a perfect human. Like she is. Created in a lab to bait Matthews. <laughs> but she has one glaring flaw. She's never seen this movie. No, no, no. She has seen the movie. Like she calls yesterday. it a GIF. <gasps> it's not a GIF. Uh, it's a GIF. No, it's a GIF. I too know a geriatric giraffe named George. <laughs> Just saying. I, 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 love her, I love her so, but I cannot cure her of this. What do I do? Wait, she says GIF? Golly, she says GIF. Okay. What do I do, it's GIF. <laughs> I've tried, man. I've tried. I, I can't. I, I tried to say GIF for a long time. It just doesn't roll off the tongue. Yeah. So I go with GIF because. It's not a gel flow. So, so like okay. <laughs> Old man moment. I remember a time when the internet were all graphical images were called yeah. GIFs. Yes. There were no JPEGs. Nope. And even if. There were. You still called them gifts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You went into the porn trading room when you were a kid. <laughs> I want I want some porn. And, and you, you downloaded for and, an hour. And you, and you said, I want to trade gifts. And that gifts. was only one image. Yeah. You said you did you did slash trade gifts or whatever it was in AOL or Prodigy at the time, and you traded you called gifts was just a term. And they weren't animated. Now it means animated image. But back yeah. in the day it just yeah. meant fucking image. Yeah. What what happened? Old man yells at. We clown. got old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did yeah? We gave alignment. Uh, Fizzgig. Animal. Yeah. <laughs> Sidekick. Familiar. Yeah. According to D and D rules, Loose animal ball. companions tend to have the alignment of their masters. Well, yeah, That's because gotta he's, be he's a, a familiar, Pomeranian. He's a familiar. So uh, <laughs> and, and so and she's yeah. That, it, whatever she is. That 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 was based on a Pomeranian though, right? Like tiny, minuscule, utterly convinced it can destroy the world. I don't know. I've seen Prank. some crappy Pomeranians, man. Wow. I met one that was called the Flaming Mountain of Death before. That's a good name. Yeah. It was a uh, Fuego El Muerte Diablo. Speaking of Flaming Mountains of Death, where are we going next, Matthew? Well, <laughs> they find the one ring, right? <laughs> <laughs> they have to go to Mordor. <laughs> There's not a lot left to do, which is why I think the prequels are important uh, that Netflix are doing. This this storyline is wrapped. 
if you were looking to immediately play this game, I know I, I joke about it, but I literally can't think of anything else for you to do in this world with these characters except a Japanese dating simulation where the goal is to pop out as many children as humanly possible. They're going to gelf to death. Yeah, this is essentially... It's wrapped. It's a penultimate wrapped story. This is thousands of years of of trauma, aliens from the world, the spirit of the world being broken, then being healed because Agra couldn't be bothered to walk. I can fix it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't know. Um... (laughs) Well, she, you know, and she knew his master was like, oh, well, where is he at? And she, obviously she, he, she knew. Around here? He's dead. He's going to be anywhere. <laughs> like straight up fucking Yoda. Yeah. yeah. Right there. They- <laughs> um, I, I, you know, honestly, I've got nothing for this because there's, there's nothing left. It's, it's all wrapped. All the strings have been pulled together. Like I I, everyone, everyone was healed. So there's, there's no vengeance. And, and brought back death. from the dead. Yeah. There's there's really nothing to do. It's it it becomes idyllic, and it's this isn't even a third age style or fourth age Lord yeah. of the Rings setup, where Sauron's been destroyed and you know the the ring's been melted and you know all of Morgoth's creations yeah. are finally put to rest. But we still have to deal with each other, and there's bandits and whatnot. No, there's not. It's gone. There's, yeah, there's no more evil the, left the, in the, the world. The world has healed. <laughs> yeah, the world is healed. Okay. Yeah, there, there's no there's no Saruman waiting at bag end for them. There, there's nothing else to do. So I think, yeah. I think start popping so, out babies. I think so. Something like this, uh, as a creator, you look at who who am I crafting this world for? Children, age of six to eight. I I can't have a long story. This has to be done in mm-hmm. ninety minutes because yeah. most of these kids aren't going to have the attention span of ninety or the minutes. bladder control. So we, we can't have anything like that goes out like oh hey we're going to continue this and it yeah. just goes yeah. into X Y Z done yeah so right I, there i got fuck all for this well you're right looking back into the past is going to be the superior way to tell a story here they there's much more adventure like there's multiple ages i the only name there's the age of innocence or is it innocence i don't know there's multiple different ages don henley ended that that uh <laughs> that Every every conjunction starts a new age that right. has like an adjective applied to it. Want to know how to make this better? What? Put a Stargate on that planet. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh yeah, that's right. Okay, the uh, the crystal's been healed. The aliens have left. Unfortunately, what we didn't know was that the dark light from the broken crystal was the only thing keeping the invid away. <laughs> I, you know, I had I had Invid written earlier. I never brought it up because um, I thought the uh, the 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 crab guards looked like Invid. The Gartham, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Looking to the past is going to be much better. So I have never. I am obsessed with the Dark Crystal. We can uh, tell. Apparently, I'm not as obsessed because I keep forgetting some of the names and terms here, but. It has inspired my gaming for years. The Dark Crystal score has been a mainstay of my gaming background music. It's it's that, the Lord of the Rings soundtrack, the Last of the Mohicans soundtrack. Good choice. And a handful of others. Conan? Code, oh, God. Basil Conan. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yes. All of, both of the Conans and Red Sonia mixed together. But... 
it's more themes for me. Like I've I've run so many games inspired by the Dark Crystal, but I've never run a game set in the world of the Dark well, Crystal. Well, this is classic trope. I mean, this is literal, journey. literally yeah. this has been mapped out. Dusty. It's interesting real quick cuz you said that this is one of your favorite albums and that you game with it and so on and so forth. It's interesting that that you've you picked that and the Last of the Mohicans because both movies were scored by the same person, Trevor Jones. Trevor Jones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh my God. You know, we did that fucking movie, and it took me forever to get that out of my goddamn head. <laughs> I need a dark crystal to stab into your heart right now. A shot. It will only heal me. A shot. Don't know. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I've taken from this movie so much inspiration for games that I've run. Specifically, there's not a lot of violence in this movie. Actually. Oh, no, no, no. I kind of disagree with you on that one. No. Unless you're dessert. There are the only deaths occur. The only death I think that you see that is violent is the scientist being pushed into Ooh, the pit. Oh, you can have violence and not have death. But 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 there's only blood drawn once. Yeah. Okay. And there's the only combat that happens is between the land striders and the Gartham. Sad combat though. But there is conflict, there is aggression. The mm. Gartham do come and and take the 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 podlings, but they don't fight them. Violence is a fight. Yeah, there's almost no fighting in this whole thing. I, I can see this movie have being a a looking at children through children's eyes. I can see this could be, this is considered a very violent movie. There's a lot of threat, and there's a lot of darkness to it. No, I think I yeah. I, I disagree. I, I think I'm, and, and that's fine. I I think that there's a lot more violence in this than than I think that you're giving it credit. Because you look, I'm at, siding with Dusty on this one. There's I, there's the scene where the the I can't pronounce them the the fucking beetles they break into to the 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 druids lair mm-hmm. uh, and they attack smash her. everything yeah, they smash yeah. everything. There's um the but they the, don't fight her. There's no well violence is not just punching somebody. I mean there's economic violence. There's threats there's of intimidation. violence. There's lots yeah, there's of threats. different violence. Okay, we're using the term differently here. Okay, no, yeah. there's and that's no fine. combat. There's, yeah, that, that's there's no, agree. I'll agree with that. And there's, there's no, no combat. person yeah. on person violence. Okay, that I will agree there's, with. There's people destroying the set. I don't consider well, that Kira violence. Well, Kira fucking personally. died. What? Got stabbed. Exactly. There's like this tiny little bit of, of things that happen for plot appropriate reasons, but there's no epic sword fights. There's no stormtroopers getting shot. There's there, there's no elves and orcs battling each other in the streets. It's There's... It's also this a different is, age, though. I mean, this isn't modern movie making. A different well, time. I'm talking about inspiration that I'm gathering oh, from okay. games here. Most of the conflict in this is a situational conflict. Like, yeah. okay. there's a threat here, and when I roll the dice, what's on the line with this dice roll isn't I'm going to get my head cut off. Cut off. It's I'm going to get captured and taken to the next location and then... Or the village that you grew up in is enslaved. Is enslaved, but almost rarely, except at the very end, is a hero's life on the line. So that is a theme that I love. I love playing a game where you have to look at your stakes in a different light. Mm -hmm. And less of a, we're going to go forth to the enemy and punch it to death. Right. 
and it's more of a, oh no, I am this tiny little wispy elf thing that is going against thousand year old political scheming things that have an army Buzzards. of unstoppable crab monsters yeah. that I could never in any way beat in a fight. Interestingly yeah. enough, to, not to get back to the movie, those were empty suits. There were suits. There are people in them. Well, you can no, see no, their no, feet. No, no, no. I mean, the when they fell apart at the end. No, they're just empty. Were, yeah. Were, were those like you know the lore of the world? Were oh, those yeah. like a golem? They or? were straight up animated construct? constructs. Okay. Yeah. Just like the uh, the bats mm-hmm. and oh, the bats uh, yeah. were cool. I forgot to talk about the bats. The crystal bats, but they also had little crystal. So eye suckers only appear in the comic in, in the the backstory of it. Um, Eye suckers were basically little mounted eyes, crystal eyes that the the Skeksis would put on people to use as spies. Nice. Fascinating stuff. But okay, I digress. I think that to tell a story inspired by the dark crystal, one of the things that you're gonna want to focus on is less of the draw swords and shields and batter against each other. More of the adventure. Yeah. Most of your conflicts are overcoming obstacles and escaping the enemy. And less so much, I'm going to get stabbed. Like, that that stabbing happens. There's a dice roll that I think happens at the end of this. Mm -hmm. And it's a a loaded dice roll. It's like, look, how am I going to get this thing to him? Okay, well, you rolled super low here. So... You're going to, I'm going to give you the option. You can get away and not give him the crystal, or you can give him the crystal and die. As a GM, she would have stayed dead with me. I would not have brought her back to life. I have a thing for sacrifice. And you say so. you don't like Tritz. Well, but also, <laughs> it's the end of a campaign, and they're like, oh, okay. yeah, that's a wrap. We have just, okay. we've recreated the gods. Please give us one dying wish before you fuck That's off. That's actually fairly common, too, is one yeah. thing back to life. Like one. You get one. You get one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. But as a, as a GM, a DM, no. I've been like, you're done. <laughs> that depends I on like the story. sacrifice stories. That depends on the story I'm telling. Okay. Yeah. You see, if you're doing this, you're maybe running it for your kids. Yeah. yeah. Little Timmy just died. Yep. You want Sorry, game. little Timmy. You have to go home now. <laughs> we don't like how you, my son doesn't want you to play with him anymore. Go home. Your character is dead. Fucking harsh. Anyway, other themes that you have here is it's uh, alien. This is an yeah. alien yeah. world, and it's funny because yeah. a, a lot of people look at this as a, as a fantasy movie. You know, swords and sorcery type movie. It's really not. It is a science fiction, a kid's science there, fiction. I it, want to talk about that for a second. There's a lot of that at, the, at that time. You have uh, things like Richard Corbin's work, mm-hmm. uh, like Den, where it's it's very sword and sorcery, but it's space. Well, fantasy doesn't necessarily mean elves and dwarves and swords and wizards. But I think I think we've, over the last couple of decades, four decades, five decades, it's moved to that. I fantasy, would say, as an author, you should appreciate... The concept of fantasy applying to more than just Tolkien-esque stuff. Oh, I've, I, do you want me yeah. to be honest as an, as an author right so here? This, to me, they're the only science, really, is like that kind of minor side science. Like Erskek, or sorry, uh, Skektek, mm-hmm. he's a scientist, but it's all like alchemy, as yeah. you said. And Agra, I mean, she's got her thing, but it's just 
what's it doing? It's doing nothing. <laughs> as yeah. as as a as a writer and as as someone that that loves to read both sci-fi and sci uh fantasy, this borders on that area that I fucking hate. And it's when you have swords and shields and fucking laser guns. There's neither swords no, nor I know, shields I know. nor no, laser guns. No, 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 no. I, I know because it, it does. It is on another planet, so that does make it sci-fi. But it is also. No, 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 no. Why does that make it sci-fi? This is another planet. Why? No, 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 no. Sci-fi doesn't mean space. To me, it does. Sci-fi simply means science fiction. No, I get that. I get that. It's like. The alien it's traveling. It's like saying Star though. Wars is sci-fi. It's not alien it's traveling though. Yeah. So that could be, that could be where the. But I never, it, yeah. for me, I, I never liked when when stories melded of like, hey, Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman did another series uh, that was they had basically had lightsabers, but they were also the Roman legions, and I just did not like that. I don't like the melding of I have a laser gun and then I have dragons. I don't like that. There were no laser guns. I, I know, but I, no, no, no. I, 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 I know. I get what you're saying. Thank you. I, no, I, um, no. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and we're, we're kind of, I don't agree with you in point. any way, shape or form. That's fine. But I it's understand just my personal taste. Yeah. So about the yeah. game, because I think we're getting a little off, off topic of the game. Star Wars. All right, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, this is, this is fantasy. This is, this is looking back at like, uh, the, the surreal there's this is a fantastical world and everything here including even the plants is created by the master brian froud like yes his vision of an of a different version of a world that could be there's so much similarity but there's not as I mean, there's so much contrast as well there's no humans um very few Almost nothing in this story is as we know it. Yeah. Even the mm-hmm. instrument that he plays, completely foreign. The technology, what little there is, completely foreign. Everything yeah. is so unique. I think really like the only bits of technology that we have in common with this world is the fact that they have chairs. And you only see those chairs in the torture room. I want to know how far... Oh, a sling. There was a sling. No, since you you are yeah. heavily invested in this world, is there anything that tells the distance? I'm curious. The distance it was traveled that that Jen went on I, their quest. I don't know. Okay, yeah. as far as a very slow motherfucker could walk. <laughs> well, they took land striders and they rode a boat. So, you know. short All right. Ways. So there, there's not a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was actually thinking it because that blew my mind a little bit, and I think yeah. you're right. I mean, they wear clothes. Um, they work stone. They have metal craft. So they have metallurgy. As, as for artifacts themselves, fucking not a lot. You're not wrong. Yeah. We see the only things that we can really... Oh, a table. There's a table. Yeah. The podlings bring out that table. I, the podlings have... There's a tray. I mean, there's there's like a tray. faces and yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, but I mean... Because even the castle was magically changed. It was just a skin laid yeah. over a castle made of crystal that was forged carved from the earth by gods. It, no. okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't a skin. I'm, I'm willing to bet that was carved Skeksis crap over the last thousand years. They just <laughs> threw it at the walls yeah. and made the podlings carve like little shapes into it. Yeah, pretty much. The Skeksis covered the crystal so it would hide them so they would not have to see their shame. Yep. 
They were Dark, ugly as fucked fuck. up stuff there. Yeah, well, look at them. So I want to tell a side story here. Uh, we talked about the themes. We're going to talk about some games in a second. But I want to tell a side story that is uh, actually an integral moment of my gaming life. When I moved to Atlanta back in 1999, I didn't know anybody except my brother and a handful of people that I met at a convention. One day I'm hanging out at a gaming store, which is unfortunately no more, called The War Room. It was this massive, massive game store. It's a good name for a game store. they They had all of the old school mini stuff. We're talking like... Civil War, mm-hmm. reenactment level, troop style mini stuff. They had model stuff and they also had Warhammer stuff and they had RPGs. And then that was like maybe a fifth of the store. The remaining parts of the store were this massive, like, I, I can't truly describe it. If you go to like the Expo Center here in Portland and go to one of their massive rooms, the war room was huge and it was all gaming tables. Nice. I missed wow. that place. It was rad. But there, one day I was buying some gaming books, just kind of, you know, build out my stock because I lost everything in the move. And I met these dudes. They were looking for a player for a D&D game. And I'm not going to say the game's the guy's name online, but we're going to call him Blackthorn. So that, that word means something to this person. Blackthorn uh, ended up being the most intense killer DM I've ever played in my life, played with in my life to the point that he played a psychological game with his players because one, he was the only game around for miles. And two, his players were constantly battling each other out of game Hmm. for the GM's favor. Like that was a social experiment of Berkeley levels. My first introduction to them, they bring me in for this ongoing game, and they're like, what do you want to play? You can play anything. It doesn't even have to be in the books. It's like, well, I don't know. I want to play something kind of ugly, maybe, something ugly and eh, scheming. And one of them says, oh, like a Skeksy? And I say, yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, okay, we're going to give you these stats. And really, there's no limit, but it's second edition, so... But it's Blackthorn's version of second edition, so we're just going to go with it. House rules, okay. Yeah, and he had a binder bigger than the game of his house rules. Was it bigger than the the monster manual binder? For <laughs> it, was, the it was about the same size. <laughs> well, I played this Gexy, and they watched me roll the dice, and I got an 18. And I rolled it in order. I got an 18 in con. And the stats that they had written were that the Gexy was going to have a minus two on strength. Or a minus one of strength and a minus one of dex and a plus two to con. And it's like, sweet, con, 20. And apparently, because I rolled that way, it pissed him off so much that he went out of his way to murder my character in the first session. <laughs> and uh, over time, I grew to hate that game. And then I grew to love that game because I stopped giving a shit. Mm-hmm. And I started looking for ways to fuck with all of the players who took it too seriously. <laughs> Nice. There's joy to be found in a number of ways around a gaming table. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I began to play the meta game, and it was awesome. It's good times. And I met my best friend in the world at that game. Thanks, Greg. Let's talk gaming systems, though. All yeah. right. The first one that I want to mention, not going to be the winner, but it's a game that I will never be able to mention again, unless maybe we do Gandahar. 
We should do Gondar. This game is called Mechanical Dream. So earlier you were talking about LSD. Mm-hmm. Imagine the dark crystal world and cover it with LSD Wait. and make it actual sci-fi. And there you have Mechanical Dream. So you have two books. Do you just own two books or is this supposed to be split I own up three into books, two books? Actually. Okay. All right. Because I see chapter one on it. Yes. Now flip it over. Ah, okay. Is <laughs> another book. Yes. The Chorus Crusade is actually two books, the main book. Yeah, go ahead and take a look at that. It's I like the, the most bizarre, traditionally laid out gaming book and world that I've ever read. And I'm hoping that someone who's listening to this has read or not even played Mechanical Dream because it is, it's out there. Uh, if you're not looking at the full color section, flip the book over and look at that. Ah, oh, there we go. Oh. Yeah. The full color section wow. is, it shows the races of this world and they are all unique. There are no humans. There are no races in here. There's not even a human analog in this world because most gaming worlds that you look at, most campaign settings, most games that have multiple races, they tend to look at humans as the standard, the baseline. Yeah. This game doesn't have a baseline. The closest things that also it has, alien dick. Yeah. <laughs> the, the closest things that it has is the most populous race called the, the Gnaths, but they're far from a baseline. They're actually kind of fucked up in pain all the time. The art is very different. It reminds me of old uh, heavy metal. I was going to say the same thing. Absolutely. It reminds me of heavy metal as well. Um, The character descriptions are so unique. The God, I can't do this, this world justice. Um, Okay. Real in short, this world exists in a, a flat circle surrounded by a super high wall. And uh, the circle is hundreds, if not thousands of miles long. And in the middle of the game, flat earthers. And there's no sun, no stars. Instead, there is something called the pendulum. And the pendulum is this glowing disc that slowly moves back and forth in the sky. That doesn't sound like acid to me. That sounds like Philippe Jose Farmer. Where the pendulum doesn't shine, the dream and the nightmare rule definitely philippe jose farmer (laughs) the reason i bring this game up is one because i can't think of another movie or story well i will ever be able to bring this game up this game is something of an obsession of mine it is french Mm -hmm. well no it is french canadian i think it's published in the early 2000s you say that like it's better (laughs) Whatever. It's the same. I think it's from Quebec. I don't know. It's uh, All I know is that I discovered this book on accident in a gaming store in Atlanta years ago. And I thought the art was so amazing. But the book was $50. Yeah. When I went, I was like, okay, one day I'm going to buy this. When I finally had the $50 to spend on it, that store had closed and I could not find oh, them no. anywhere else. And now, I have three copies of it. I have all of the expansions, of which there's like a slipcase that has three mini books in it. There's a, a fold-out GM screen that has a massive fold-out map. 
I buy GM screens for the weirdest games that I know I'll never play because if I ever do play them, I want the fucking screen. So this game to me is kind of what could have been in the Dark Crystal world. If the gods had never shown up and done that whole thing and the Gelflings or other, and there had been other races had been allowed to find the crystal and turn it into a source of life and then mechanize that shit (laughs) because this takes it, Jacks it, it with LSD. I was just saying, also uh, steroids. It seems like it turns it into this amazing game, which I've never found anyone to play because it's so on crack. It reminds me. It reminds me of the world of <laughs> tears, uh, which is not cry tears, but tears like one on top of another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that uh, farmer did. And if you haven't read that series, you should because it's there's a lot that like is this. really close to the way the society works and yeah. they have the centralized mechanized core city but everything outside of that is the dream it's the forest the soap and everything is and the words are weird they're like this hybrid french god I, it's so beautiful it's a wonderful <laughs> game and i'm never going to get to play it all right so the mechanical dream it's mechanical Check dream it by steam logic and i think I, I'm pretty sure that Nathaniel wants you to uh, go check that out. <laughs> uh, my Mechanical Dream collection is probably the most valuable part of my gaming collection because I spent a lot of time tracking down mint copies of it, and it's been long out of print. You can get PDFs online, though. I think you can get them yeah. on drive through Okay, the next game, Talislanta. This is the one that's had me curious for so long. So here we have Talislanta 4th Edition, the big blue book. Yeah, it's a very large book. And I was looking through it I've earlier, it. And, I, and I really, really kind of liked what I was seeing on this one. So Talislanta, so Mechanical Dream is, to me, what you would get if you took the Dark Crystal world and themes and applied it uh, copious amounts of LSD to it. Talislanta, I think, is what you would get if you took the Dark Crystal world and themes and uh, made it snort a lot of crack. <laughs> It's uh, it, it's Vancean, actually. It's very heavily inspired by the Jack Vance books and the Dying Earth. And back in the day, Talislanta was advertised in Dragon Magazine and a number of other yeah, gaming that periodicals. That was my first exposure. And its big tagline, it showed this cool art that was kind of strange and alien, but, but still fantastical. And its tagline was, no elves. Yeah. Talislanta. That's that's still a good marketing play. It has been through multiple editions. I believe Wizards of the Coast before, way before Magic, way before D anD D. Wizards of the Coast was one of the publishers. I of second, want if to not say third you're edition. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Bard Games published them. Uh, I fucking I think that one is Shooting Iron Press. Talislanta has gone through multiple editions. I think that the official edition count is five. Wow. Including the just the original creator of Talislanta in the last few years kickstarted what might be considered a sixth edition. Did but it, it's called it, The Savage Lands. Did it's, they get it? Did it hit the mark? Oh, yeah. I've got the book downstairs. Okay. Uh, Talislanta is a very traditional gaming system. You have a number of stats and you have a number of skills, and all of them are a plus or a minus number. Whenever you want to do something, roll a d20. Add in your stat mod, add in your mod, your uh, skill mod. Against the difficulty. And it's the standard difficulty of everything you look at. Everything that happens in the game is there's a chart called the difficulty chart. And 
If you get over a 20, I think that's a critical. If you get from like 15 to 20, that's a solid success. I don't have it memorized, but and I think five or less is failure and zero or less is like you're fucked. Honestly, uh, one of the reviews on the back of this book would, I mean, I not even looked at it, it's flipped through the pages or had you talk about it here just for a moment. If I would have found this in a gaming store or just a bookstore, this review would have grabbed me to even want to, to look at it. It's the one that says, quote, it's as if HP Lovecraft had written Alice in Wonderland with Hans Christian Andersen and William S. Burroughs. That right there would have grabbed me enough to be like, I'm fucking buying this. This is another world where there are no elves, no humans, no dwarves, none of that stuff. It creates its own mythology that crosses cultural inspirations. If the world of the Dark Crystal had more races, I think this is the direction it would have gone. I could see that. Looking looking yeah. through some of this artwork, I could totally see that. Yeah. And you can also take inspiration from Labyrinth and the way he uh Brian Froud did the goblins and the other weird races that were in that, like uh Sergitimus. Then the fire dancers. And the fire dancers. All of that would fit Fucking so well yeah, in the Talislanta world. Yeah. And it is a high adventure kind of thing where you know there is a combat system. You don't have to use it. You can focus more on the travel. There's also a really cool magic system based on schools of magic, but the spells are not codified. Hmm. When you want to use your magic, at least in fourth edition, you draw from the, the, the realms of power that you have and you create effects on the fly. I like that. That's kind yeah. of like uh, the mage. Mercedes Lackey Herald yeah. Mage stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I love that style of open ended esoteric magic. Yeah. So I would I would do Talislanta. Like Mechanical Dream is something I've always wanted to do, but I know that I would never find players for it. <laughs> right. But Talislanta is so easy to play. Your character co- sheet consists of just a list of plus ones and minus ones, and go yeah. go play. Mm. It's super easy if you play D twenty. Yeah. But I understand we have a third that is essentially dark crystal with a numbers filed off this is literally the dark crystal with numbers filed off this was uh someone's passion project that was made to play the dark crystal uh things were changed just enough so they didn't get sued trademark infringement and it's free so no one's making any money off of it it runs a grand total of 31 pages long and i want to make a quick note here that talislanta is also free Mm. The entire game's publication history from first edition to present is available for free PDF download, including printable versions and optimized for web on talislanta.com. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Dozens of books. (laughs) Books that I initially sought out and paid good money for. Now just free. Nice. So fuck you and thank you. (laughs) Um, I'm bringing the Stone of Souls by Mythopoetic Games. This is free. Mythopoetic. Mythopoetic. It has the Glim, which are a the smallest and most elusive of folk on Archeron. Gelflings. The Glims <laughs> seldom stand taller than three feet and are slender and willowy of build. Two mm-hmm. silken dragonfly wings of varied and lustrous colors sprout from the soldiers. Yep. Though they can hover in a fluttering, clumsy way, the Glim are too heavy to ascend, so they just use them for gliding. Mm. There's the Glim. There is an analog for uh, the mystics. There is... What are uh, they called? 
like a norl. Norl. The norl. Yeah. Yes. That's Gnocchi. very similar to the ganache. No, wait. Like no, wait. These are the, the podlings. <laughs> the norl are the podlings. The huron are the mystics. What about the skexies? Wait, we're we're now to the sexy? the orgu, which is ogre. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's a picture of ogre. Um, oh, and then there is a uh, some squirrel looking thing. Uh, there's not a skexies in here. I don't think they could do that without getting sued. There's not like a, a weird bird creature. No, uh, there is. Um, there's a skill points section that goes from uh, mythic hard to unskilled. Um, there's some spells, um, there's traits like courage and you, you take ranks in it from, uh, zero to five. Uh, there's some basic spells like, uh, or of magic, moonlit so eyes. It sounds like somebody took, like you, like you said, dark crystal followed off the, the numbers and then Moved took, it across state and lines. then took, and then took white wolf and throw white through white wolf in it because this the, 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 the doesn't dots even in... have like an example of combat. This is so open-ended. And it's it's literally just if you want to play Dark Crystal in a one shot, okay. And seeing as how we advise you to play these as one shots, <laughs> I'm going I to. I mean, I do like to give advice for campaign play if yeah. you want to seriously think about incorporating themes into your games. But for the most part, we we do kind of yeah. we're old. We ain't got time for that shit. Yeah, this was written in uh, 2003 by Christopher Johnstone. Hey, Christopher Johnstone, if you're listening, well done. Let us know it, it, if you have any ideas on how to run your game. Yeah, it's it's a real nice little thing, and I love that it's 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 free. It's just there for you to. God, I really love that thing. What can I do now? Oh, here here's a game. I really like the art in yeah. it. It's very handcrafted with love. Yeah. yeah. Um, as as it stands, it's really simple. It's really easy to use. Um, I haven't played it, uh, but it does come with something that isn't in most of them, and that is a map. <gasps> Of the Ooh. world. Okay. Well, there we go. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, I love this map. If anyone else ever grew up uh, with the Lord of the Rings in the box set white cover hardback. Yes, I have it. Um, this is very, very similar to the fold-out map in there uh, down to the red lettering. It's, it's, it's actually the prettiest piece of art uh, in the game. And I remember... The first exposure that I had to Lord of the Rings wasn't the Lord of the Hobbit or the actual Lord of the Rings. It was a map of Middle Earth that I saw that was from a box set of the Middle Earth role playing game. And I remember mm-hmm. seeing that map coming up with my own mental stories of what each of these words and and points of interest meant. Which is why actually reading the books was so disappointing for me because my stories in my head were way cooler. I, I was going to say something similar. The fact that I, I, I have multiple sets yeah. of Lord of the Rings and I don't like them. I just, I like, they don't the, speak for me. I, I like, I love the artwork. Oh, I, love I didn't the, hate it. The book styles, right. but you're reading one of my favorite authors right now. Fritz Lieber. <sighs> yeah. Lieber. Lieber. So close. Yeah. Is it Lieber? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. He was <laughs> Very pissy about that. Ah, okay. And in honor, Frankenstein. <laughs> in, in, in honor of his work and seeing as how he's not there to defend himself anymore. What? What is this? Your first time through, or? Yeah. What do you think? I need to know. I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, Fawford is an interesting character. I like its thought process. What do you think about just the wordplay in general? Because these these are the books 
that I feel personify. Once you get through the origin story of each one in the first book, once you start getting into their world and their adventures through it, how far are you? I'm still in Fawford's bit in the first book. Okay. Yeah. Keep so going. I haven't even met the Grey Mouser. Oh. But I, one thing I do like is the personification or the, the characterization description of Fawford as being very high-voiced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm picturing as someone who talks like this. <laughs> Tone's, he's, he's from the, the squeaking skulls, yeah, not the roaring skulls. Yeah, he's high-voiced, but he also speaks with eloquence. So I'm picturing someone from, I am from the skulls, and I am here to talk about the thing. <laughs> and that is making it all the more hilarious yeah. in my reading. Keep going. It's an amazing series. If you need the books, I'll loan them. Um, as for games, I think any one of these games would work. I will say that uh, Mechanical Dream is called Mechanical Dream for a reason. It is heavily focused on the concept of the dream and the darkness and the nightmares within that darkness being a threat. So again, it's uh, like I said, it's kind of like the Dark Crystal setting, but on LSD. But it's also got mechanics in it in the world. All of the characters... In this game, of the entire population, you don't need to eat and drink. You instead ingest this material generated by podlings in the world <laughs> called Orpe. It is a, it is like, like a crystal Orpe. O R P E. I heard Orpe. Orpe. O R P. Yeah, I kind of did too. I'm anyway, so sorry. Orpe or Orpe or however you want to pronounce it. It is the juice of life, and every character needs it, much like you need food and water. But you're also addicted to it. <laughs> so, and spice brings life. Not the spice only expands it, consciousness. Not only is it your food and water, there's these biomechanical creations that they have in it. The technology is, if you look at it, you can identify what it is, but the art of the technology is so different that you could see. The future Skeksis creating these bio-organic motorcycles fueled <laughs> by essence of the earth. Just saying, it's rad. <laughs> and on that <laughs> note. And on that note. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, do we have a winner? Honestly, if I were going to run it, I'd go with Talos Lanta. But I, I was going to say, I'd, I'd probably vote for Talos Lanta. Although I like the other, the other book. I like that. Uh, I think the Taos Lanta is the better choice. I'm going to go with Stone of Souls. I was going to say, if I was going to run it, I'd go with Taos Lanta because I know it. But Stone of Souls is basically the dark crystal. It's a, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a love song to it. So that's the one I'd, I'd use. Okay. And maybe we could uh, get that guy to contact us and say hi. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be, awesome. that'd be cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we had three different winners, depending on who you listen to. <laughs> but uh, the movie was The Dark Crystal, a fantastic movie. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. If you haven't watched it in a while, go watch it again. And if you haven't watched it and you're listening to this, we basically spoiled the whole thing for you, so I'm sorry. And if you do watch it, make sure you check out the prequel that's coming out on your streaming service because it's supposed yeah. to be awesome. And after you do that, join us on Discord and talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you can uh, check out our Facebook page, uh, Have Movies Will Game. Uh, we got some piping fresh memes coming out. <laughs> um, those are, I, I got to admit, some of those are really fucking funny. I try, man. They're, I, I'm, I'm at a little bit of a dead end because I'm not getting a lot of sleep at the moment. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I try and put up a few. And what I like about them is they're new. 
Like I, I yeah. personally am making them. Yeah. They're, they're not filed off and stolen from somewhere I, else. I like some of the Terminator esque one. That, yeah. that last one that you, that I think from yesterday, I thought yeah. I, I like that one. Uh, we're also, uh, our gentle listener going to be trying something new. We hope you, uh, you bear with us. We'll all still be here, but we'll be here in a better, bigger and much more fancy way. And for those of you who have, uh, supported us, We'd really like to say thank you because it's your support that has been driving us to do better and to take this experience and make it make it bigger. And for those of you who have listened to us since the beginning, well, go back to those days and you might get a hint of things to come. Oh, that's sneaky. I like it. Particularly well, the intro. Yeah. <laughs> um, Focus on that. Focus on the intro. The, the uh, content's intro. also really good. Focus yeah. on the intro. No. <laughs> well, now that we've bludgeoned that, I was Matthew. <laughs> and I was Dusty. And I'm Nathaniel. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of our show. We're still pretty new to the scene, and we'd love to get your feedback. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes with your thoughts. Good or bad, they really help us get the word out. If you want to say hello... Drop us a line on all of the usual social media sites. You can find the links right there in the show notes. You can also leave us a comment on our website at havemovieswillgame.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Have Movies Will Game is a Breakfast Puppies podcast production, and our episodes are distributed under CCBYND 4.0 license. Our opening theme is Rock and Gravel by Sid Valentine's Patent Leather Kids with introductory narration provided by Isaac Scher. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>